Hallelujah. Good morning to you. It's so good to be back. I just feel like I've been gone a long time, okay? I don't know what it is, but uh, just uh, have uh, kind of gone through some things in the last month. I lost my only brother, uh, and that was, that was and still lives hard. Um, uh, we went to visit him and had no idea all this was going to happen, and uh, but it did. And uh, but you know what? God is so good and He's so faithful because my brother lives alone, and I just we just happened to be there uh, when he had a bad fall and ended up passing away. But I'm saying, Lord, but I haven't seen him in a year, but you had me there so he wouldn't be alone. You know, when he made that transition. So I'm just, th I'm just thankful for his faithfulness. It may, we may not understand how God operates and why he does things the way that he does things, but, uh, but he's God. And, you know, uh, if you try to understand him and, and try to understand you, you're wasting your time, okay? Because he sees the big picture. And, you know, um, as I grow older, uh, and I look back just at life and my life experiences and whatnot, um, it's like the old people used to say, uh, you'll understand it better by and by. And there's so many things that at age 30, I'm like, I don't get it. But 40, you say, ah, okay, now I see. You know, and it goes on like that in cycles of us not understanding the hand of God and the move of God. But let me tell you, no matter what it looks like, all things really do work together. For those who love the Lord and are called according to, not my purpose, but his purpose. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we have just come up to lift up your name, to lift up your word, Father, because we know that your word is the bread of life, Father. Lord, we live and move and have our being in you, Father, and your word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our and a light into our pathway. So we just thank you for your word, Father. Now feed us, Lord, until we want no more. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So my assignment for today is a servant's heart. And uh, I, I've been looking at the scriptures, and the scriptures really, really give us a, uh, an idea of what it means to serve. You know that when uh, the most elite servants... Um, before they can just start training, uh, start serving, they have to go through training, okay? We went through a restaurant the other day, and we had three waiters. And three waiters came up to a table, and she says, we are training these two waiters. Uh, but I, I, and so I'm going to let them take your order, but I'm going to stand here and observe. So is it okay if we allow, uh, uh, allow us to um, use this as a training, a teaching moment? And we said, sure. And so the first guy, he was a young guy, he spoke, and he was a little nervous, a little hesitant, whatnot, but uh, he did a very good job, and then the other trainee, she spoke, and our order, everything was just perfect, and I think one, one time, Charles says, well, you know, my salmon's a little rare, and oh, oh, they were like, you know, like, what, what do we do wrong? But so as we serve, as we be serve, um, there's a training part 
that comes that God will teach you what it looks like to serve him. <laughs> you know, if you don't learn how to serve God's way, you can, <laughs> you can make a mess of it, okay? I was telling my husband, I, I was a nurse many years ago. <laughs> And when I was a student nurse, see, this is why training is so important. I was a student nurse, and um, my assignment was to get this elderly lady out of bed. She had, had been in a hospital, and they, they wanted to ambulate her. They wanted her out of the bed. They wanted her in her chair. So my assignment was to go get her in a chair. So I went to her room, and I said, um, you know, um, I'm just going to say Jones. I don't remember because I was just a student nurse. That's a long time ago. And I said, Miss Jones, I said, the doctor wants you in the chair today. She says, no, I'm not getting in the chair. And I said, but it's been two days now, and you still won't sit up because he wants you. you got to get your, your, your blood pumping, okay? You know, you're going to get well. You want, No, I'm not going to get up. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. Let's compromise. What if we just sit on the side of the bed? She says, so she thought about it. She says, okay, I'll sit on the side of the bed. So she sits on the side of the bed. Her legs are dangling over the side of the bed. Now, I was taught that, you know, you wait until the patient, you know, that you're in sync, whatnot. I said, well, you were on the side of the bed, so let's just put you in the chair. So I just swung her around, sat her in the chair. Well, would you know it, the woman went into cardiac arrest. I'm not kidding. They had to call the cart, and, you know, and hit her heart, you know, with the paddles and whatnot, you know, the reviver. And I'm like, in the hall, don't let her die. Please, oh, God, don't let her die, you know. So training is very important because you can mean well. You can mean well. But if you are not trained in the things of God, um, that's one of the really important phases, you know, of having heart. Now, you, a servant's heart is to know what the master requires, to do it the master's way, to give the master what he needs. But now you can go through all the training, but if you don't have the heart for it, if, it, if, it, if the love for that thing is not in you, you're not going to be a good servant. You're not going to be a good servant. So um, uh, I was just telling you because um, we've been, my cousin and I both celebrated our birthdays recently, and we were kind of reflecting back on our lives and whatnot and the things that we've gone through. But as I was saying, in my early life, we were nurses. And I'm going to tell you, it was something that I loved. My cousin and I, my mother was a nurse. My grandmother was a nurse. So when I got that white uniform on, that was it. But, but watch this. I went to school in Philadelphia. I lived in Philadelphia. And in Philadelphia, the weather, anybody from the East Coast or the Midwest, where you get the, a lot of snow and a lot of ice, okay, you know what I mean? And we would, we would get up. The shift started at 7 o'clock. We would get up at 5 in the morning. At 6 o'clock, we would walk three blocks to the bus stop in a blizzard, okay? In a blizzard. And then you had to wait 20 minutes for the bus. I know you don't know about that in California. You don't know about waiting in a snowstorm, okay? And we took a suitcase with us. Because if you got to the hospital and the other shift couldn't get in because of the snow, you had to stay. So here we are 
strutting, strutting, dragging through the snow, dragging our suitcase, waiting for the bus, and we're shaking and trembling. Wait a minute, I'm not finished yet, because we had to catch another bus after that, okay? We had to get off that bus, then wait on another corner for another bus to take us to the hospital. And then when we got there, we didn't know when we were going to go home, because it all depends on, how, on the snow, okay, and the blizzard and the weather. But we loved it! Now, when you think about that, you think like, oh, my God, walking through the snow in a blizzard, you know, waiting for the bus, okay, and getting on and then getting on another bus to get to, we could not wait to get there because, it, it, because the issue is not about the servant. It's not about the servant. It's about the servant's heart. Yeah, let me get that. It's about the servant's and if your heart is not in it, you will never succeed as a servant. And a lot of people, <laughs> I don't consider myself a servant. Do you know the president of the United States is a servant? Okay? Every leader has to have a servant's heart because you are there to serve others. You're there to serve others. So um, let's just look at what the Bible says because we want to make sure that Nobody goes into cardiac arrest while you're trying to take care of them or you don't do something that you regret. And I mean, hey, how many of you have just meant well, but it didn't go well? Okay, uh, come on. You meant well, but it didn't go well, okay? But, but so so let's, let's talk about what does God require? Well, there's so many things. I, they, on, on the screen, it should be three lessons. Three steps to developing a servant's heart. Because this is going to be important. Now, a lot of you may be thinking that I'm talking about a servant's heart so that you can come to church and be an usher or help with the kids. Or be, That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in Walmart. I'm talking about in your kitchen. Because, see, the servant's heart, the servant starts in the home. It starts with the people around you. If you don't want to serve your husband, you don't want to serve your wife, you don't want to serve your children, oh, you don't understand, they, they get on my nerves. Yeah, they get on my nerves too. Okay, I know what you mean. They're, they're, they've been gone for 10 years and their mail still comes to my house, okay? You know, you know, they never really go away. You know, you're never sure. Every goodbye is not gone, okay? But even though we fuss, even though we complain, they know that our heart is to serve them and to love them. And so the servant heart has to start in the home. Now, my house in Philadelphia, they called our house Hotel Garrison. That's what they called our house. You know why? Because the door was never locked and the lights were always on. And anybody in the neighborhood needed a place to stay, they would come to Hotel Garrison. And they'd stay, you know. My mother never cooked in little saucepans. She always cooked in those big, you know, aluminum pots. And uh, we always had enough food for more people than were at the table because that was generationally how my mother was raised, okay? Where everybody, and see, the, the thing is, we lived in Philadelphia, but our roots were in the South. Our roots were in Virginia and Maryland and Georgia. And so when people would come to the city and want to make for a better life or to get an education, they would come to our house and they would stay there and get a job and, you know, or go to school, whatever they need to do, and then they would move on, okay? So that's, that's, how, that's how we help people in our family. It began there, and it has to 
start. It's no point in you talking about helping your community, helping your church, or anybody else if you haven't learned to help your own household, your own family. And so I'm looking, I'm looking at the faces. I know what you're saying. If you knew my family, you wouldn't even be preaching this message, okay? You know, my family is the pits, okay? Well, I got drunken uncles too. Oh, you understand what I mean? I got people on drugs. I got people with PhDs. See, the family runs the gamut, okay? We got people over here that I don't even want you to know that I'm related to them. I mean, really, okay? And I got people over here. Oh, yes, I have a, I have a, a, a son-in-law who's a coach for an NFL team, okay, and is in the NFL Hall of Fame. Oh, I want you to know about him. <laughs> but, but there's other folks over there. Okay, I don't need you to, but they're all the family. We all have them, the good, the bad, those in the middle, those, who, and the ones that are at the top, even though they get tired, even though they get frustrated and whatnot, they still have to be like, well, you know, my uncle or my brother is such and such and such, he can get me out of jail. Again? You know what I'm saying? But if you, but if it's about using your name, your influence, or something that you have that you can help those, and that you, it starts there. It starts there. And so the scriptures say, um, ooh, I, I hate to jump around, but, uh, uh, but the, the, the thing is that when we take care of others, we are doing the will of God. Okay, you're not serving them. You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You're serving the Lord through them. So we have to make ourselves available. Okay, um, let me stay, stick with the script. Okay, three steps to developing a servant's heart. Are we on the screen yet? Okay, step number one. If you're going the first phase of training for becoming a servant, a godly servant, a Christ-centered servant, we have to have integrity. We have to serve for the right motives. If you're serving because you are trying, you know, to get some brownie points or you want to control everybody else because you know you're the leader, then that's the wrong. You have to have integrity. Integrity. Uh, Proverbs 21 and 3 says this, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. You got to do what's right. You got to do what's just. Because so many of us, when we get in these situations, it might be on your job, it might be uh, 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 within your family, it might be your, where people start playing politics. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm going to pick this one because this one's going to get me to that place. Okay, and I'm going to ignore that one because that, you know, it's it, it becomes political, but he says, but the Bible says that you have, you have to do what is right, what? In the sight of the Lord. If you read the book of Kings, every king in the book of Kings, and you'll find it in the book of Chronicles also, it says this about that king, and it's going to say this about you in your life. It says, and King, uh, Jer- uh, 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 king uh, let me, Hezekiah, he says, serve the Lord 35 years. And then the next line, go through it and read it when you get home. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And it will name another king. And king so-and-so, he served the Lord, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. So it doesn't matter. In heaven, there's going to be a record of your integrity. You can hide from people. 
You can hide from your boss, your coworker. You can hide stuff from your husband. You can hide stuff within your house. But guess what? In heaven, there's a record about your integrity. And what really is integrity? Integrity is, integrity is what you do when nobody's watching. Not because, not because, because you're doing what is right. How many of you ever been in the store, you know, and they charge you, and I bought a, I bought a bunch of vitamins, and you know, vitamins can be really, really expensive, okay? And one of them was like 40-something dollars. And she just put the whole thing in the bag. I'm like, whoa, she just put a $40 bag, <laughs> bottle of vitamins in the bag, you know, and that she didn't charge me for. Do I walk out of the store? Or did I say, no, 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 wait a minute, wait, you didn't charge it. Oh, thank you so much, because I would have been in so much trouble, you know, if I let that go, da, 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 da. Who saw it? Who saw it? I mean, I don't know if the camera up there was watching, you know what I'm saying? But the cashier didn't see it. So those are the decisions that, that are going to constantly, and let me tell you something about integrity. It's a deep thing. Integrity will protect you. Did you know that? If, you know, you may not get credit for your integrity, but God is watching. And I'm telling you, there are gonna, there's going to come a time when you practice integrity in your life, when you are going to get falsely accused or something is going to go against you, and God will look at the record of your heart and how you treated people, and he will vindicate you. And I'm telling you, if there's no integrity in your life and you play this little game where you think that you're getting away, at some point, the judgment of God is going to come and say, yeah, you thought you were hiding, but now, oh, I'm getting ready to say something that's going to hurt. I really am. Sometimes when there's no integrity in your life, you get away with it. But guess what? Your kids don't. Ouch because they see what people on the outside don't see. They know your heart. So if you're not gonna do it for any other reason, do it for the people in your family, do it for your bloodline, so that your children will know what righteousness looks like. And you'll say, well, Dad, I'm living righteousness, but they're not doing it. Just keep on being righteous. Keep on demonstrating integrity. At some point, they're gonna wanna be with who you are if you do it right. Yeah. I didn't mean to preach to you. Then must put, are y'all too quiet? Are y'all, am, are y- everybody okay in here? Okay, you ready to go to lunch, which is it? Okay, are y- this is not too hard for you, is it? Okay, yeah, everybody's okay? You let me know if they're not okay, would you? Okay, yeah, this be, I'll, I'll watch you. Okay, if they're not okay. If you fold your arms or something like that, I'll know it's like not good. Okay. All right, the next thing that you need, if you want to be a good servant, a servant that's pleasing in the sight of God, it takes humility. Amen. Humility. Uh, let's look at Colossians 3, 3.12. And I'm looking at this in the New Living Translation. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Say tender-hearted mercy. Tender-hearted. Uh, I got to tell you, it's not my nature. It's not my style. I'm just telling you. Tender-hearted mercy. Not me, okay? I have to work at it, okay? Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So lately, I have literally been practicing kindness. Because 
I have a tendency not to be kind. Now, I'm going to tell you, now, I'm, let me, can I qualify that? Can I explain that to you? As a single mother, I raised two daughters by myself. So everybody that I dealt with, whether it was work or whatever, I had to take a protective stance. No, you're not going to run any games on me. No, you're not going to miss me. What do you want? Because there was no one to back me up. So I had this big front, you know what I'm saying, of don't mess with her. Because I had two little cubs, you understand what I'm saying? That I had to protect. And so when I finally got married, my husband said, you don't have to do that anymore. Okay, you don't have to be the tough girl. You don't have to be, you know, scratching at people. You don't have, I've got, if they're, if they're messing with you, I've got your back. And so over the years of being married, now it's like I've learned to gentle down. And I'm not afraid to be kind. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? A lot of people, I was afraid to be kind because I thought somebody would take advantage of me. But thank God that he has made me to practice kindness. What does that look like? Lady comes in, I'm in Ross, you know, doing my shop. The line is like all the way here up at the heaven somewhere, okay? And, and this lady, this little lady, she's like, you know, just takes her cart and she gets right in front of me. I remember a time I would have said, uh, excuse me? Walk back, get back. And I said, I said, honey, do you need to go? I had to train myself to respond that way because it wasn't me for such a, any, does anybody, if you know what I'm talking about, just raise your hand. You got it, you got it. But to be a servant, you have to practice kindness. You have to practice humility. And because we have learned that in this world you have to be tough right? You have to, you can't, don't let people walk over you. Don't let people misuse you. God said, it's okay. Just like my husband says, I got you. God is saying, hey, I got you. Just go ahead. Trust me, you can, you can treat people nice. You can, you know, and see, and, and, and what, uh, you may not get this, but they call me the black girl from Philly, okay? And I can be her. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, do you? You know what I'm talking about. I can be rough and tough, you know what I'm saying? But I don't have to do that anymore. God is saying, he's, he's, you know, he'll be the husband and say, you don't have to be that. You don't have to be that. You can gentle down. You can be kind. Amen. Can I get amen? Amen. amen. Number three, to be a servant. You have need of endurance. How many of you has ever served a church ever been the servant of your job, ever served the servant of your family, and you just get tired. You want to quit. You want to tell your kids, I'm going to the store, and I'll be right back and show up 20 years later. <laughs> How many of you want to just quit? It's hard. It's hard to serve and to keep, when, especially when people are misusing you. And, and, you know, my husband and I, we came out of a situation where our pastor became ill, and he called us to the hospital, and he said, I need you and Charles to just take care of things until I get back. I need you to run this church until we get back. Well, uh, some of the deacons in the church didn't want a woman telling them anything. 
And it got so bad that I ended up in the hospital with a broken heart. I mean, I was having palpitations. I was having chest pain, you know. And my husband said, he said, oh, no, that's it. He said, we're not doing this anymore, you know. But we had to forgive. We had to move on. I said, as long as he's alive, I'm going to do what he asked me to do. And it was painful. It was hard. It was difficult. But my husband and I stood our ground until they got a new pastor. We stood our ground. And I said, it put me in the hospital, but we stood our ground. So I'm telling you, the Bible says in Hebrews, it says you have need of endurance. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You're not going to get to the promise if you quit. Because I'm telling you, that darkest hour, that hardest time, is always just before the breakthrough. Just before the breakthrough. Don't you dare quit. Because the thing, the reason you don't want to quit, the reason why you want to endure, you want to show your kids how to endure. And when I was talking to my cousin about us being nurses and walking through a snowstorm to get to the hospital, she said, that's why we're so tough. You know, we went through the snowstorms. You know, we, we didn't do it one day. We did it for years, okay? And I, I saw in the news, there was a, they, were, they were talking about the immigrants coming from... Um, the Middle East and Africa, trying to get into Greece. And they said this one guy swam from Turkey to Greece with a flotation device. And he would just stop. It took him 24 hours to swim from Turkey to Greece. But he swam there. Like then he hid in the forest. And finally, you know, he, I guess, talked to the right people and got into the country. Now, who do you want working for you? Would you hire him? Talk to me. Would you hire him? Yeah. Of course you would. This man has endurance. He has determination. And so a lot of times you suffer things in your life and you say, God, why am I going through this? He says, you have need of endurance. That after you've done my will, you might receive the promise. I can't give a promise to someone's weak, who someone's going to fall apart when things get tough. And so you go through stuff and you don't understand why. Uh, I'm going to tell you a personal story. I'm almost done. A personal story. Uh, I was invited to become the chaplain of um, Little Company Mary Hospital over in Los Angeles, okay? San Pedro. I am in my 70s. And they said, do you want to go to work? No, I don't want to go to work. (laughs) I don't have to go to work, okay? But It was one of those things where I talked to another friend of mine who's also a chaplain for the hospital, for another hospital, she's for Torrance Memorial. She said, but that makes you the gatekeeper. That means those that may be getting ready to pass away, you get a chance to tell them about Jesus, okay? And I said, well, I've been doing that all along. And she says, yeah, but you aren't getting paid for it. Now you're getting paid for it, okay? (laughs) So anyway, I decided to accept the assignment so I'll start my residency in September. Watch this. I go to Atlanta to visit my brother. My brother falls down the next day. They take him to the emergency room. I'm like crying. My husband, Charles, he's right there. He's got my brother, you know, he's holding on to him. And they told me that he was ble- bleeding inter- internally. So they took my brother to ICU. And he was in intensive care, and we talked to everybody in ICU. And then he got better and ended up back in ICU. 
And finally, the doctor came in and he's telling us, it's this little Armenian type doctor, a little short with a big accent. And he says to my brother, look, you got a bad heart. Your kidneys are failing. He said, you got holes in your stomach. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> you want me to keep you comfortable or you want to keep doing this? And I said, oh, my God, what kind of bedside manner is that, you know? And, uh, but my brother said, no, just keep me comfortable. And so we went to, from the intensive care to the hospice center. And I'm telling you, this was the most beautiful hospice center. It looked like the waiting room to heaven. Painting, sky, skylights, just beautiful, beautiful. And so my brother was there until he passed away. Watch this. I cried. I had panic attacks. You know, my husband didn't know what to do to calm me down. I was so upset. My sisters came. We were all upset. It was awful. Until I talked to the head chaplain. When I got back, I talked to the head chaplain to turn some more. He says, look, God just took you through the whole cycle of what you're going to be doing. He took you through the emergency room. He took you to intensive care. He took you to hospice. I had to suffer. But it was all the part, hallelujah, of God's plan. So that when I go into that hospital in September, my heart's going to know what people are going through in a very in intimate way. The fear that they have when that doctor asks me to make a decision and you want to keep your brother alive, I don't want to make that kind of decision, but I'm going to be dealing with people who will be making that decision. And I can say now, I understand exactly how you feel. So when you go through stuff, I'm telling you, it's not just random. I guarantee you, it's a part of God's plan. He wants us to become the kind of servants that are kind, that endure, that have integrity. That's really what he wants for us. I'm closing with this, Matthew 25, 35 and 40, and I always um, lo love this scripture. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say unto you, as you did this to the least of my little ones, you have done it unto me. Least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. I'll tell you, it may be hard. You may be sick and tired of what you're going through with a family member or in a job situation. But if God doesn't release you from that job, you might as well stay there because you're just going to have to learn the same lesson somewhere else. So we have to learn how to endure. Because Psalm 41, 1 and 4 says, it's Blessed are those who have regard for the weak, for the Lord delivers them in times of trouble. And sometimes the weak are not the weak that you think they are. It may be your boss, but in their heart they're weak. It may be someone who appears strong on the outside, but they're not. It says, blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord will deliver them in times of trouble. The Lord will protect and preserve them. They are counted among the blessed of the land. 
He does not give them over to the desires of their foes. The Lord sustains them on their sickbed and restores them from their bed of illness. God says, I'm with you. I, I know what you're going through. I know how hard it is to live in a world that's so crooked and corrupt. There's every man for himself. And then to tell you, you'd be just the opposite. How hard is that to be just the opposite? See, I'm finding out one thing. It doesn't take, you're not weak when you say, go ahead of me. You're not weak when you say, it's okay, you take it. It takes strength to do that. And I pray that God would strengthen you and that he would give you a heart to want to serve him and serve him through others. Let's bow our heads. Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come before you today asking you to give us a servant's heart. Father, there's someone here right now, they are weary of trying. It's like, God, do you see what I'm going through? Do you see what it's taking for me to serve those that I love and serve people who have no regard for me and no appreciation? God says, I see you, and your day is going to come because I'm going to bless you in a way that you may not understand it right now. I saw Pastor Chuck years ago. Remember, Lord, when he was serving you and he was the most humble person in that church. No one even cared that he was even there. But all the people who needed help, they would go to Pastor Chuck, not the senior pastor. And, Lord, you blessed him now with his own congregation. I know that there is a reward for those who continue to serve you and bless you. God, give us the endurance we need. Give us the integrity, Father. Oh, God, give us the humility. For I ask it in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. 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 Beautiful words to live by. Amen. I think it touched all of our hearts to know that we need to step up a little bit. Be a little more servant-minded. Because that's what the Lord was, and if he's on, in, on the inside of us,